Hello, listeners. Thank you for listening to this episode of Open Channel. Just a quick trigger warning that this episode does talk a little bit about the topic of suicide. If you or someone you know is having an issue in this area, please reach out for help to someone you know, or you can contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline in the U.S. at 1-800-273-8255. You can also go to the Crisis Text Line at www.crisistextline.org. And you can also reach out to The Trevor Project at 1-866-488-7386 or at www.thetrevorproject.org. Thank you and enjoy the show. Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Open Channel, a Star Trek community podcast. I'm your host, Christopher D. Littlefield, and with me today is a very special guest, the other network head of Holosuite Media, Steve Roberts. Uh, Steve, how are you today? I'm good, thank you very much. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I just moved into my new apartment. Last night was the first night, and it's great. I love it. I'm glad I'm here, and I'm glad you're here. Yeah, um, we'd arranged to try and do something very early on in the show, but um, yeah, I was a little bit too busy to do that. (laughs) Yeah, so tell the listeners just a little bit about your other shows and maybe a little bit about Holosuite Media and how that all came about and how we got here. Well, I've been a member of Holosuite Media for probably heading towards sort of eight, nine years now. Um, I started with my own show of Triples and XC that I ended up taking over, um, went on to do Frack Stars and some other ones. And um, due to ill health, after I took over the network, it sort of went very quiet on shows. But um, yeah, after when we started with all our shows on um, the We Made Treks network, which um, ended up uh, closing um so we moved everything over to holosuite media so so yeah rather than concentrating in 2020 on getting tribbles and frack stars back up and running um as my health slowly improved um i ended up helping get what are we up to now 20 um shows around that i lost count honestly (laughs) there's a lot of shows now on the network yeah, um, my shows I still haven't had a chance to work on, and the ones that I have been working on have been sort of hit and miss on the release schedules, because I've just been so busy with sort of with everything that's going on with life and getting a new job. Because well, with COVID, lost my job. And, mm-hmm. and congratulations on the new job. Thank you. Um, so yeah, it was a matter of just trying to get everybody else's shows out on the schedule, and I think it was only like two episodes we ended up having released late for all the other shows. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just a matter of trying to get all that going and get systems in place to allow the show hosts to be able to just release their own stuff rather than having to really rely on sort of people like us to do it and things. So it's all slowly getting there, but yeah, had some bumps in the road, getting things up and running as I wanted and sort of with life and especially COVID life, it's taken an awful lot longer than i'd hoped but it's slowly and gradually getting there so as 
2021 arrives and I'm hoping to finally get all those things ironed out and working so that way I can actually concentrate on my own shows so that will be the Fluff and Nutter, um, Starbase One, Tribbles and Ecstasy and Frack Stars for me. So, Just yeah. four shows, no big deal. Well, that's an awful lot less than what I used to be working on, I must <laughs> admit. I actually got dubbed the podcast whore at one point. Oh, because I like it. I, I was involved with so many podcasts, whether I was doing editing, whether I was doing quality assurance on them, um, whether I was doing stuff for websites, um, helping produce shows, just hosting shows, guesting on shows. At one point, I was doing at least one show a day on some days and sometimes multiple shows in one day and yeah just uh <laughs> so wow. yeah i ended up being dubbed the podcast whore because i was just on so many star trek podcasts <laughs> well you know i i gotta say and i don't know that all the listeners are aware of this but you know a lot of the hosts that are on hollow sweet media came from another network from trek fm and then we got picked up by we made treks and we moved and then we we found ourselves again without a home so you adopted all of us into the hollow sweet media network family and i gotta say like there was like you said there was like barely any delay with us being able to continue producing and publishing our episodes and that is because you have you spent days and nights and days and nights and weeks and months organizing all of that stuff uh, all the technical side of things which I know nothing about so I know that the listeners probably don't know how much work you put into it a lot of us do on this side of the table but I know I'm really really grateful and I think I speak for everyone else when I say thank you so much for creating and developing this home for us and all of our shows yeah not a problem um but yeah it's just rather than sort of creating something from scratch sort of most of the stuff was already there and it seemed to make sense rather than trying to look for a new home mm -hmm. i already had a place that people could go to and sort of i'm the sort of person that's willing to work with others to help make it bigger and better and um so I know there are a lot of people out there that sort of have podcast shows. It's like, no, it's either you do it my way or the highway sort of thing. Oh, I've experienced that before. That's for sure. Yeah. That doesn't really work for me. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, no, for me, your show is your show. And I made it clear because I think when everybody was like, oh, crap, what are we going to do? And um, was it five and a half page proposal I wrote up? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's just said look this is how i see it working do you all think it's a good idea let me know your thoughts and everybody um sort of agreed it's it sounded like a good idea i think even when we started moving forward some people were still a bit hesitant and we'd actually said with a lot of them coming from two previous networks and being let down right sort of people were still hesitant even after we've been running for sort of a couple of months but hopefully there isn't any of that anymore yeah, and I've also been like really amazed at, you know, once we got all of our kind of regular hosts lined up, a bunch of other people started contacting you and reaching out and asking to join the network. And so we've had several other shows continuing to join and they're all so different. Like most of them are Star Trek related, but they all take such different perspectives at how they produce and, you know, how they format their shows, which I think is really awesome. And it makes it makes me feel like we kind of have our own. It's like it's very Starfleet the way that it all happened, like with Discovery. It's like this group of, you know, 
crazy smart fun you know misfits that all just kind of ended up together making this functional crew it's kind of ragtag but it works it's really great yeah well one of the things i wanted to do early on was as i said to everybody this is your own show but we want to try and keep it that it is the same because of course when people recognize a format it helps promote not just your show but other shows and sure we do have some procedures but when we went through creating those it's just like right this is the suggestion would you like to do it yes or no and we had facebook groups and chats and polls set up so people could vote and we if people got problems with it they could put suggestions into the comments and then if we needed to we can say right well instead of doing it this way we can do it that way or Mm -hmm. so um so yeah it was very sort of star fleet in very democratic which was really sort of good everyone then feels a bit more comfortable about how things are going and that it's their network not just sort of my network and you're producing a show on it sort of thing which yeah. i never wanted it to be and hollow sweet media had always been from the original um bloke who created it um, zander is always it's your show you do what you want with it so sort of, we're here to help have a place for you to just get it out there and things like that yeah i would say that i think that you're probably the jet reno of of podcasting because the way that you have to go through and all the coding and rerouting and all the stuff that you do, it's like you're you're fixing the network up with duct tape. <laughs> well, to begin with, it really was. Um, Holosuite Media, of course, had an existing website and it was in no shape or form which it could be continued um, the way it had been sort of developed because although I helped do some aspects of it, um, it was done by other people. And it just wasn't in a state to really develop it for a huge amount of shows. So I ended up, rather than just adding to the website, I had to redevelop the website. So, yeah, I had to, at the beginning, create a temporary website and then reroute things through multiple places. And we we were only just advertising things through social media. And we weren't trying to link to any website because the website link would, of course, change because the old website was still live. Fortunately, I don't tend to sleep much. So, um, yeah, 20, 24 hour days, seven days a week for at least the first sort of, what, two, three months. Um, But having no job um, definitely helped with that. Hmm. So, yeah, it meant I was able to sort of try and get things going and get sort of artwork templates and everything sorted and but no um seems that we're getting lots of feedback from listeners and yeah you know, lots people listening to the shows so yeah um and especially in the world that we live in with covid and lockdowns hopefully it's given people who would otherwise be alone feel a little a little bit more connected to the world because they're able to listen to shows and then communicate about those episodes and the shows that they're watching with other like-minded people. So hopefully mm-hmm. it's given a, a little bit of sort of hope to other people that are out there and um, so they don't just feel as alone as they might otherwise be. Yeah, well, it's definitely done that for me and I am thankful for it. And this is our first time actually podcasting together. So once again, I'm really glad that you're here. And listeners, today we are, of course, discussing the penultimate episode of Discovery Season 3, There is a Tide, dot, dot, dot. And, you know, this show, Open Channel, is dedicated to facilitating the fan conversation about new Trek episodes as they drop and other topics we decide to talk about. 
If you want to join the conversation on Facebook, type the Nexus into the search field and join Holosuite Media's listeners group. Or you can follow us or and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Open Channel Trek. You know the deal. I post a conversation thread when each new episode drops, and then y'all discuss and leave your comments and your questions, concerns, and theories and arguments, and they just might get read on the air. And if they're too long, I will cut them down a little bit. So there's a little bit of that this week, but not too, too much. I want to know what you had to say. This I feel like we're stuck in the middle of a thing, and I'm ready for the last episode, which... I feel like is going to make us feel even more stuck in the middle of a thing. Just my intuition. So let's get to the listener comments. Steve, go for it. Our first comment is from Kirsty Keen. I enjoyed this one so much more than last week's episode. So many balls in play and I loved it. Generally, I can't wait for the finale. Yeah, I, I think I liked this more than last week's episode too. Yeah, last week's episode, we'd got the two-parter, which of course was the Mirror Universe, which was mm-hmm. a setup for the Section 31 season, and it was a way to disconnect that part of Burnham's family and support, and it was also a way that Discovery loses someone who is a good fighter and everything else for what is upcoming in this episode mm. and the next episode. Yeah. So it... The last two episodes definitely were a sort of set up and the mirror universe isn't always for everybody. That's that's true. It's it can be very polarizing. I really loved the episodes. And uh, yeah, Kirsty, thank you for your comment. Karen Hui says, I loved the latest episode of Die Hard Trek. <laughs> yes, I've noticed a lot of conversations about that. I will confess I have never seen Die Hard all the way through. So what? I know. I'm I've just been listening to what everybody else has been saying. It's thing is it's Christmas time. It's a Christmas movie. It should have been watched. Well, listen. <laughs> I so this is this this episode is going to come out the day before the new What the Future Holds comes out and I talked about the question of Die Hard being a Christmas movie or not with Dave and he has a lot of opinions about that and he says we should stop calling it a Christmas movie. So I'm not qualified to be in the debate. I'm just passing along that information. <laughs> no, it, it's a Christmas movie. It's the only Christmas movie people should watch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I saw Krampus for the first time like a week and a half ago, and I really liked it a lot. It was so crazy. Okay, Karen goes on. It had a good mix of action on Discovery as well as world building in the negotiations between Osira and Vance. I'm definitely looking forward to next week's episode, even if it means months without new Trek. Oh, I can't, Karen. I'm I'm just hoping we get Prodigy soon. I'm expecting a dramatic payoff from Michael's call to Gabrielle. I'm also hoping for a better explanation of the burn. Yeah, same. Yeah, the negotiations were fun. Um, it was also quite unexpected to see what Asira had to say. It was. But, of course, Vance's whole thing of saying that she had to answer for her crimes. Right. Which is absolutely right. But, of course, that isn't what she had planned. Though she was saying, yeah, definitely, whoever was um, the face of all this wouldn't be my puppet. It's just like, yeah, right, that's crap. (laughs) Right, totally. But, of course, yeah, just the whole thing about what resources they have as well and how they can learn from each other um just like the apple for example mm. which of course is a link back to enterprise 
because of course there's the episode where they'd got the school on screen and they're talking about recycling their waste and things like that oh so they've gone back to how they always used to do things in the early stages just before the federation of recycling their waste to construct food and materials that are required you know i gotta say karen i I didn't see it as negotiations. I don't think Vance, I think he was just humoring. He was letting it play out. I think he was in control the entire time. I think that he was just, it was kind of like he was gathering information, but he knew that there were principles that he wouldn't let go in this situation. But that's part of every negotiation. Everybody has a red line that they try not to go over. But I think Vance, as with most things, he is part of the Federation. It's what they are about. Right. And of course, they would have to make some concessions to stop basically being pirates and things like that and to stop slavery. But Osiris basically a terrorist. Like you don't negotiate with people like that. Like they may come with some idea, but just the foundation of who she is and what she's done is not compatible. Yeah, but then the same could have been said about the Romulans, the Dominion. But still, okay. you still got that because when you have these wars and when you come to agreements, it's like anything. Every side, basically a negotiation is an agreement where both parties go away unhappy. You never go because otherwise it's not a proper negotiation. OK. All right. I just. Yeah. OK. There were there were a couple of moments when I was like, oh, Syrah is more than she seems. But like Stemmet said, she is also exactly what she seems, you know. Yeah. And his statement <laughs> as well to um, Kenneth's character, I can't remember what his name is. Aurelio. Was very, very true. Mm-hmm. And of course, it sh- showed through as well when Vance gave his thing saying, no, you need to answer for your crimes. Right. Mm-hmm. Through Twitter. Rob Vaughan says, Seriously love the whole episode. Everyone played their part superbly. Special mention to Kenneth Mitchell, who was an absolute star again, and his character may have had an important part to play in the next episode. I agree. Absolutely. And the fact that they also catered, catered for him and himself um, to do with his ALS that he has, because of course when right. he's got long days he needs to have a wheelchair. But the fact that it was all written into the story and it was good to see him as a human because he's played so many characters because he's been in Lower Decks as a voice artist. Right. He's been, what, two, no, three characters in Discovery as Klingons. Three Klingons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That we're aware of. (laughs) So he's done an awful lot, but you never see him as him. Right. So it was good to actually see that. And the fact that they had made sure they could allow him to be himself and to sort of the whole thing about if it wasn't for Asira, I wouldn't be alive. And it's the same sort of, yes, a lot of the things that I'm sure that Asira has done has helped a lot of people, but then it's at what cost, which was the whole thing of what Stamets was trying to say to him. It's just like... Yeah, she's still a murderer. Yeah. And which she, of course, proved when, of course, um, it came. I can't, I can't, Steve. <laughs> I can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, when the, the bridge got a blue paint job. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the the bursting, it was like, it was literally blue sparkles. And it was like, 
Okay, that's horrible. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, we'll get to more comments about our 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 dear friend Rin later. Noe Santo says, "Oh man, I totally love this episode and all the ethical issues dropping during the armistice scene." After already having a good two to three cry points, the DOT 23s or dot 23s giving the Vulcan salute at the end killed me with their kindness. Also, nothing but love for Kenneth Mitchell. Yes. Yeah, the the new upgraded fa- fancy future dot 23s, Sphere Dad is in there, Zor is in there. That was that was really cool. Yeah. Um, not to mention just the whole Zora thing as well, sort of. The way that she was keeping an eye on things, literally, because you've got one of the screens where you'd got, I can't remember what movie it was, but you just got framed this set of eyes watching what was going on. Yes. Just thought that was great. Thanks, Noe. It's good to hear from you again. I'm glad you're in the conversation. I I can't wait to hear what you have to say for the finale. So please make sure to comment because I love your insights and your thoughts. Rebecca Skipper on Twitter says... The rock creatures on TOS's Savage Curtain said that evil retreats when forcibly defeated. But I think the Federation will win at a cost. The loss of Disco and the Spore Drive, the tech can't be replicated and it's too dangerous if left in the wrong hands. Oh my god, Rebecca, you think we're going to get rid of Discovery and the Spore Drive? What do you think about that, Steve? I think Discovery will still be there because we've had the short trek of Zora. So somehow the ship is there for around for about a thousand years, sitting, waiting. So the ship is still going to be there. So we will still have discovery. But I think for the moment, what we're going to have is no spore drive and they're going to do something. So I think the ship will be badly damaged. So um, it might even be captured. But I think part of what we'll see is the crew trying to get out of it. Right. Now, I think the end of this season is going to actually leave it on a proper cliffhanger now. For sure. Yeah, usually with Discovery for the first two seasons, we have seen that the entire story has gone almost like it was one big episode of Star Trek and how it used to be recorded. Mm -hmm. But it was done over a season. So you've got the start, middle and end throughout the entire series of one storyline this time i think this is going to span seasons three and four because we know it's already been picked up for four so i think going into it they had that in mind so this is going to be a almost like a mid-season cliffhanger it's going to end up that we're going to go oh crap and it's like damn we've now got to wait how long before the next one yeah i've been i i I mean i know you haven't been able to listen to any of of these shows yet of open channel but i've been saying the same thing like season one we got the enterprise season two we jumped 930 years in the future so they've got to i mean those are huge season endings so something similar if not even more crazy is going to happen i think and you know we again, and I've said this before, we don't have uh, that hope is you part two yet. So I know that it's coming. I just don't know when. Yeah. And how I probably see it is if you think of Voyager, where we had the year of hell, one episode. Now, Voyager could have very easily have made that into an entire season. Oh, that would be cool. And in some ways, 
what we've got with the burn is in some ways very similar to the year of hell they're going through an awful lot of crap not only the ship but the federation as a whole and what we get with this sort of battle that we're seeing now is going to be a turning point where things go from bad to worse and they then got to try and get it to good again so i see this next season almost it being the year of hell for the crew Mm. and discovery and the federation trying to get back and with the call that michael put out to her mother um we'll see because they've made a lot of connections from people with trill earth and um of course the people from new vulcan essentially with all the romulans Mm -hmm. so now yeah thank you and i can see that the federation almost bringing those member planets back in with what's happening now because michael sent this call in a way basically said we are all a complete lost cause right this is right essentially although she doesn't believe in a no-win scenario that's what they're facing Mm -hmm. so you can see her mum and all of her group coming in to fight maybe bringing in the vulcans the romulans trill and humans wouldn't that be interesting if historically we know Romulans are the big bad. They're one of the big bad. And so wouldn't that be fascinating if it was Romulan culture that ended up bringing the Federation back together? Well, we saw from those previous episodes that it was the Romulans that actually wanted to deal more with the Federation than it was for even the Vulcans. Mm. So that's how much sort of the Romulan culture has sort of progressed in comparison to where they were. Now, of course, for them, they've had a bigger struggle because not only have they been trying to reunify with the Vulcans, that they also lost their home planet. Mm -hmm. And we also haven't seen anything so far of the Remans either. We don't know what survives of them and how they are reunifying because the Remans were an offshoot of the Romulans, which, of course, were an off offshoot of vulcans so how the remans come in and they were all usually sort of more battle ready as well so whether or not we even see that part of their culture coming in in this coming season um as well so but yeah i think this message goes out and her mum will reach out to all the people they know they've been in contact with and it brings people together yeah, I think that we will see the Remans, and I, I really want to, because they honestly, with what they've been doing so far, they've just dug into this huge treasure trove of possibilities with all of this Star Trek history. So, I mean, it's it's like infinite what they could do, what they could discover, you know? Yeah, and they, Discovery have been very good with a lot of callbacks to a lot of Trek. Oh, yeah. Even this episode, it's been referred to with regards to Die Hard. But there's also, uh, I'm blanking on the um, episode title, the one where the Enterprise D is um, being taken over while it's being the baryonic sweep. Oh, yeah. Oh, what is it called? Oh, man. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's loads of listeners just shouting the episode title. I'm sure. Um, at us going, how can you not know that? Well, you know, on What the Future Holds, I did mention that the way that they were 
handling themselves in the ready room was a very TNG, like Enterprise D way of taking the ship back. Yeah. Now, what you've also got is that episode was very, again, it was very much like Die Hard. You'd got Picard sort of sneaking around. And of course, you get that in this episode with Burnham, but just more so. And especially with her losing her boots and things like that. Anyone who has actually seen Die Hard um, will actually know what that means, because there is the bit where John McClane, he's barefoot and um, everything else, and he's injured. And of course, you've got that same sort of parallel. And um, yeah, just looked it up. Starship Mine. Starship Mine, yep, yep, yep. But it made me think of that episode. And again, as you said, when it came to the ready room and the crew with the secret messages, and of course, again, a TNG call back to when sort of Picard was walking around and was just looking at and nodding to his crew to get a force field around invaders on the ship. Yeah, or when uh, Roe and Guinan and Picard de-aged. Yep. Uh, Rascals. Yes, so you've got so many sort of callbacks to these sort of classic Trek episodes about the crew working together. And part of what this episode has been about is the their family has been fractured. They've left everybody else behind. So it is just them. Many of them have been struggling to get along where Kolb has been trying to help bring people together because, of course, he's had the experience where he has been torn away from everyone and built himself back up. And with his medical background, he knows sort of the problems this brings to people's sort of just mental health as well as physical health. And he's been trying to help them in the way that people helped him. And they have been slowly becoming together again and we saw the splits sort of like the family dinner and things like that but this is them being there for each other working with each other yeah i think we've needed to see something like this for for a while yeah but the thing is is whereas i'll go back to what i said earlier about what you would normally see in an episode is what you now see in a season right so you don't see the payoff to a lot of these little things until the end of the season. Right. Um, which is a completely different way of doing Star Trek because it's a different way that TV now develops. Personally, I have actually preferred it. Yes, me too. Yes, there is something to just have standoff episodes because you want to do a rewatch. It's great. You can just stick any episode on and it's there. Whereas if you want to do something with Discovery, you really got to start from the beginning of even if it's just a season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this just feels like such a more organic way to tell a story for me. Yeah. And we're getting all the growth and the nuts and bolts and the little things. And we didn't really get a ton of that consistently before. So, um, but yeah, going back to what Rebecca had said is I think that there is going to be a huge cost to this coming battle. Yeah. But there's also going to be a huge payoff in you're going to see that the relationships that Burnham and the Discovery crew have built up with the Vulcans, with the Romulans, with the humans, um, with the people of Trill, they are now going to come and help us as we helped bring things back to them. So um, I can see this being sort of it's the end of the beginning rather than the beginning of the end mm. sort of thing. 
Yeah. I think it's really interesting that in every single season, like literally Discovery, the ship has been the liability every time. Like <laughs> it's for the Klingons war, the secret weapon for control. And now for Osira and the future of the Federation, like it's always a liability. But then you know? that reflects real life. So sort of nothing is ever absolutely perfect. When you're in a business or a group, you often only see the good side. You don't always see the downside. It's not until something really breaks that you suddenly think, ah, crap, this has actually been creeping up for a long time. Ah. or There's been this underlying thing that's never really been addressed. And you get that in life all the time. And sort of the show has reflected that. And Star Trek does and has always done that well, is it brings aspects of our lives into what we see as a possible future. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Rebecca. And yes, so Rebecca, Steve, is blind. And yeah, it was the real Osira. She wasn't a hologram. I know you thought that that she might have been, but she was definitely over there. Um, but I love your perspective on Star Trek when you when you talk about the things that you observe as a, as a blind person. I think that that's, that's, that's fascinating. And thank you for, for contributing. So Patrick Carlin short and sweet quote queen is safe and secure good to see book has his priorities straight well yeah i mean <laughs> of course <laughs> absolutely joshua devries says that episode was nuts so many moving parts but nothing felt rushed i love how they set things up for what is looking to be an insane finale while still offering some wonderful character moments I don't trust Asira, but I like how much her performance made you just want to trust her. Mm -hmm. Her negotiation scenes reminded me of the Vorta um, Kalana in the DS9 episode, The Ship. Tilly is a badass, and it's great to see her handling the crisis so beautifully. Michael too. I can't wait to see where things go with everyone. I'm incredibly angry that they killed off Rin. I loved him. I feel you, Joshua. Same. Yeah, and this is where you see Tilly, and it's good that they haven't made her be Captain Killy, because it could have been very easy to make her do a completely, sort of complete 180 to her normal character and just go for the throat sort of thing. But I do think that she has pulled from that experience to be who she is now. Oh, absolutely. But it's good that they haven't just made her turn into her mirror universe counterpart right so i thought that was good because i did there was a part of me which thought i hope that they don't and they haven't and you can still see that she has this sort of worry and the sort of cogs ticking and moving in her head sort of thing yeah she's on fire she's like in it i'm i'm so happy and proud of her yeah so but no i'm really happy sort of with that and again, sort of, you get Burnham with this choice of the needs of the many against the needs of the few or the one in with regards to Stamets and what she had to do. Because, yes, his family once again are looking to die and to disappear. Sort of his sort of, in a sense, adoptive child. Right. And again, his husband. And it's it's good to see that her progress of where she started in season one episode one is still carrying through 
despite all the stuff that she's gone through. Mm. And of course, she had all this time alone and she could have very easily just went, no, I'm just going to help save this one person. But she's still looking at the bigger picture. She, bigger picture. She's still looking to save the Federation above all else. Interesting. Huh. I hadn't thought about it that way. I like that. But again, it's just lots of callbacks, whether it's to the show itself or other shows. And I think this is where we get a lot from Kirsten Beyer with a lot of these references. Because if you've ever read her books, especially the Voyager series that she's written, how she's linked in other Trek shows which aren't Voyager and just the smallest of details that sort of you think it means absolutely nothing, but it right. turns out to be something completely massive to the storyline. Kirsten Byer is just so good at doing that. And oh, yeah. so often I see her writing coming through and her thought processes with how she helps bring this show to the screen. I know she's not always part of the writer's room, but yeah, I do see her directions coming through with a lot of this a lot of the time. Definitely. And yeah, Joshua, I also found a couple of moments where I really wanted to trust Osira, but I really knew deep down. Uh, but yeah, the, I thought that apart from a horribly inconsistent accent, which is sometimes somewhat British and sometimes like either Californian or Chicago or something like, I don't know what it is. I'm I, I'm the accent business going on with Osira, I find horrible, but I thought her performance in this episode was really, really good with that, 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 that aside. Personally, I've never trusted her. Um, yeah. I could see where she was going, but I always knew that she had an angle. She was still looking to come out on top. Right. And her reaction to Vance showed that she is not putting her people above herself. Right. Um, it's still she wants to control everything still. Mm -hmm. All right. Nicholas Paul Collinson says, OK, so I've had a day and several bottles of my best mate's homebrew to mull this over. And I think that was a great episode that unfortunately suffered from being part two in a trilogy. It had a lot of really good stuff, but obviously nothing was really resolved or paid off. Yeah. The best part was definitely the diehard and space stuff. Michael even ended up barefoot. At least she didn't have to walk over broken glass. yippee ki motherfucker. I really like this twist with Osira. She's clearly genuine in her wish for a peaceful union between the Chain and the Federation, but she still has quite an ego and wants to be near the seat of power. My guesses for the Federation president are either that it is whoever Eli's appearance is based on, or it's actually Eli... Or it's the Doctor from Voyager. What, Nick? Also, we got a literal deus ex machina at the end there with the dot robots. Nick, I said the same thing. I thought that it was maybe like one of the coolest versions of a deus ex machina that I've seen in Star Trek. Like, I thought that was really cool. For me, I'm not sure about Peaceful Union. I know she wants the Union because she is struggling to control everything that's going on they're running out of dilithium so when they run out of dilithium she loses all control by yeah. joining forces with the federation that have a spore drive 
this is the main reason that she's doing this. If it wasn't for the spore drive, which is an alternative, which means she can then regain her power, they wouldn't be having this conversation at all. Right. I don't think that, Nick, genuine is something to associate with what she wants here as far as peaceful either. Like, I just I just don't buy it at all. I, you know, I think that she wants what she wants, but the intention or the, the what's behind it the motivating forces behind it are are purely selfish and out of out of wanting power yeah so it's she's genuine that she wants the union but only to keep the power but again as soon as she gets her grubby hands on that technology and she can replicate it that union would then be over right well this is authoritarian type of stuff like i want peace but i will kill people to get it you know <laughs> yeah to maintain power like it just doesn't the two do not go together it doesn't work i i i want to be done with osiris soon but no i like his idea about eli's appearance being based yeah. upon somebody especially as vance was just like oh no it was a random thing sort of brush off and it's just like hmm, that didn't feel right is it actually um yeah, yeah. as with the doctor who knows he may still even be about especially given the advances in sort of holography and everything else in that thing that day and age so he may still be about hell there may even be two of him because by time 930 years have gone by the copy of him from um the voyager episode um Yeah. Mine's gone blank again. Not the one where he was in the mining thing? No, no, no. The one where they were showing things of Voyager being this ship that destroys everything. And um, they've got these big turrets on it. Oh, I can see it in my head. And I'm just completely blanking again. Someone will tell us. (laughs) But there is a second copy because they'd got um, a copy of his Hollow Matrix through that. So... What you'd got is um, a second copy heading towards the Alpha Quadrant, which would have taken hundreds of years. But of course, his Hollow Matrix could keep going. Right. So by the time he got there, there would be, as long as nothing happened to the original Doctor's Matrix, he could still be around. Yep. Yeah, I just did a quick Google. I think it's Living Witness. Okay. So, yeah, it's nearly 700 years after the initial events on Voyager. So, yeah, if it took a couple of hundred years to get back to the Alpha Quadrant. Um, but again, sort of depends on what would happen to his warp drive or, of course, any technology he came across with Transwarp about how long it would take him to get back. So, yeah, we could even end up with two versions of the Doctor um, that they could possibly use. And with de-aging technology that they have available today as well, um, they could make the Doctor appear in the show. Mm-hmm. It's always a possibility. So, But I don't think Eli is the Doctor. Um, even if he had sort of grown, the Doctor loves to talk, loves to sing. I don't think he would give that up to just sit there and be sort of a lie detector. He would be he'd be a lot more involved. So, yeah, I, I, I disagree with it being the Doctor from Voyager. But, yeah, it'd be great to actually see him make an appearance in like season four. 
because he may even be the EMH for the Voyager that's um, based there. Karen Harsher says, holy shit, this was good. <laughs> a lot going on here. I'm getting real Dominion vibes from Asira this week. She seems so genuine and sincere in her offer of peace, if you're willing to ignore the atrocities that she's committed and fully intends to keep committing. Mm-hmm. And she is genuinely shocked that Vance wants to hold her accountable. Rin is channeling Picard in his final speech, once again giving the vital message that ruling by fear doesn't work for long. Stamets and Michael's scene broke my heart. Also, I kind of wanted them to jump back to the nebula. Prediction for next week? Romulan warrior nuns will play some kind of role in saving the day. Oh yeah, that's guaranteed, I think. Karen, I really like that you uh, compare what Rin said to Picard. That's that's really sweet. And I also, yeah, the Stamets and I... So this Stamets and Michael scene was really difficult for me to process because I... It's, again, one of those things that Discovery does where there's a situation and two people's perspectives are at odds with each other, but they're both completely valid. And it's difficult to see that. It is. And in a way, it also go back to sort of, in a way, military service. If you've got someone that's on the battlefield that you care about, you can't just go and save them. You've right. got to follow your orders. You've got to protect your unit. That's fair. So Burnham is very much thinking of the bigger picture um, like a superior officer would do. And she is still a commander. Right. And it all goes back again to what we've already covered about. She's using her previous experiences to say, actually, no, we've got to think about the bigger picture here. And I've got to get you off the ship because... As was said, Discovery is the liability here. And of course, its spore drive, regardless of what happens, can be used as a weapon. Mm -hmm. But by removing Stamets from the ship means that cannot happen. That's true. Yeah. I mean, she's doing the right thing. Yeah, because of course, yes, he could jump them there. But Osiris is still in charge of the ship at the moment. They've got control. So just because they jump there doesn't mean that they'll actually get to save them. Mm -hmm. So the only way to make sure they have a chance of saving them is to first take control of the ship and to protect the Federation. That's right. But Stamets is only thinking with his heart, not with his head. Right. Yeah. And I get it. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be thinking the same thing, you know? Mm. All right. Liam Smart says, those dot 23s with the Vulcan hands, OMG, I died. Osira is pretty cool. I like her. What, Liam? <laughs> Did not expect her to want to create an armistice with the Federation. Definitely. She doesn't really. I mean, well, okay, she does want that. But anyway, we've talked about this. Definitely did not expect the sphere data to be in the dots. Very good from the writers for keeping it hidden. We'll say not a fan of the principal from 13 Reasons coming back, but meh, who cares? So I knew he was, I knew Zara was going to come back. Uh, I just knew they were setting that up, and I have not seen 13 Reasons yet. He goes on, Maybe should have just popped our heads into the planet in the nebula to see what the go is there. Senior Rap was great this episode as well. They wouldn't have dropped that there is a Federation president in the show without showing us who the president is, surely. 
if it turns out to be a sentient Riker hologram, <laughs> I will flip my shit. <laughs> I mean, he's he's making his way around all the series. <laughs> well, he also directed That's this hilarious. episode as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and I wanted to add also that Liam responded to Nick's comment about Eli being the doctor from Voyager. Liam said, please state the nature of the political emergency, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, as I said, Asira can be sort of pretty cool with she has a direction and to her, that is the only way forward. And she is very calculating on how she's going to achieve that. Which is not real leadership. No, it's not. And that's... And again, it's also... She's leading by fear. She's leading in some ways. She does some things which to a lot of people are helpful, but not to the majority. And in some ways getting sort of political here it reminds me very much of trump yes sort of he helps the small amount of people for a get the populist um sort of vote for him because he does certain things that they like and he doesn't always follow through and when he does it's like the worst possible way that could be thought of rather than trying to do things diplomatically or discuss things or do things which is actually for the greater good rather than the good of the few yeah it's also similar to the evil terrible orange man in that <laughs> vance wants her tried for the crimes that she's already committed and we are very likely going to see those things happen as well in the u.s but of course a lot of this was well be this was all done well before elections and everything else yeah but that's the thing about this season like every single week has been relevant to what's going on that week you know yeah the whole thing about being separated from family and everything else it it has been so so relevant it's mm -hmm. in some ways it's creepy it's divine i mean it's it was meant to be delayed in the release it was just meant to be but that is what Star Trek has always been about. It's always talked to people on so many levels. And if you listen to people at conventions and things like that, they talk about how this one episode helped them because of this and this. But yeah. then that same episode has helped somebody else for some completely different reason. And it's because there are so many small aspects and it's... It's like when people compare sort of Star Trek to um, Star Wars. It's all these small moments and all these little things that really make a difference. And Star Wars has never really got there. They've right. only really done that on the one film, which was Rogue One, where it was really about the characters. Right. And, um, and I think they've done that a lot more with season two of The Mandalorian as well. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I've, I've always felt Star Wars just hasn't really sort of got that. And... Well, they're just fundamentally two different types of franchises. Like the the thing that's in common is that they're in space and there's ships and different species. Yeah. But other than that, they're just they're not similar. They're not that similar. For me, where I was going with this was Star Wars has always been sort of a cowboy sort of show in space 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's been good versus evil. So now for a lot of the time with Star Trek, it's been the same thing. But there's always been a better underlying story underneath it. There's been more ethics rather than the standard blue versus red. Right. And even when this season, Discovery did a cowboy episode. Yeah. It was a pure Western. And they still, I felt, did it a lot better than other shows and films such as Star Wars. Because, yes, they made it a complete Western but you'd still got so many different um, storylines going on um, underneath everything. And you get all this and you get all this with Asira as well. So it's not always just straightforward because people, even if they are sort of Orions or um, Andorians, they're complicated people. Yeah. And Star Trek has always been very good at representing so many different aspects of humanity through its people and through its alien species. And it's done that again. Yeah. Well, at its core, Star Trek is an allegory. You know, that's what it is, which is which is why I think, you know, it, it touches people personally in so many different ways. Okay, well, let's move on to a couple of questions and concerns. So, first up is Stuart McKilwin. I think Admiral Vance made a misstep when he backed Syrah into a corner. She seemed genuine in her desire for peace and was willing to make a lot of sacrifices. However unpalatable, it might have been to have her as a face of the chain with the Federation. He could have committed her to hold free and fair elections for a seat in the Federation Council and what? for a peaceful transition of power. What? Stuart? <laughs> Stuart, why? Why? Oh, I don't get it. Sorry, there's more comment, but I don't... I'm like, free and fair is not what Osiris after. Like, she wasn't really making any sacrifices either. Like, anyway, I don't know. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Stuart goes on to say, I thought we were also going to have Burnham morph into John McClane when she <laughs> lost at both her shoes while taking on the terrorists. Sorry, boards. I was waiting for, now I have a phaser rifle, ho, ho, ho. (laughs) What I did find implausible was that the chain had managed to overwrite Discovery's Elkar's operating system and replace it with their own. That at least would require command code authorization and at most a whole overhaul and refit. Hmm. Well, now we'd already sort of previously discussed our takes on the whole negotiations Right. So, um, so yeah, we've. Uh, I think you know where we stand, Stuart. Yeah. But I get. I. I thank you for your comment. <laughs> and again, we've sort of said about how sort of Die Hard sort of there's a big homage to sort of mm-hmm. um, that film in this one. What about overriding the L cars? What do you think about that? Well, given the status of the burn, there were so many ship parts and computer parts out there. And also, she has also stated in these negotiations, she has the biggest scientific sort of agency, organization and group currently out there because they've had the dilithium to move people about and things like that. So they have had scientists working on that. And as we saw from Kenneth Mitchell's character, including humans. Mm. So... 
to get codes and things like that, they would have found ways to get around computer systems. The thing is, no matter how complicated computer systems are, someone's always going to find a weakness into it or have enough knowledge to be able to do it. And even if it was, they literally tore out the computer core to replace it with their own operating system for huge chunks of it, we just don't know how they did it. But given this is what they do, they go in, they take over stuff, they've, they would have perfected this. So yeah, yeah, doing that and doing that quickly... I don't think would have been a huge problem for them. The fact that they had issues was only because of Zora. Right. I mean, you know, and we got the uh, kind of tendrils, the mechanical tendrils, tentacles that, that, that latched around Discovery. So maybe that's somehow part of that technology. Yeah, because it could have been so very, very easy for that to be some way of like getting sort of data transferred could be nanites yep it could be anything and given the technology of the day i don't think it's going to be too hard for that sort of thing to sort of happen in their current sort of age yeah and um, i think it would have been very easy to do and the fact that zora had to take refuge in the dots makes me think that they've literally just overridden it. They haven't tried hacking it. So it's like you've got a hard drive from another computer. Well, rather than trying to hack into it, you just want to use the storage device. So you just wipe it clean, um, except sometimes there are partitions that you just can't wipe, which they've done for that small bit, which Zora managed to maintain control over. Hmm. So I think they've just gone in and just wiped it rather than try and do it. But they know enough about Federation and Starfleet vessels to make it operate on their machines. Yeah. I will say, unrelated, Stuart and Steve, I don't want to see robotic tentacles ever again in Star Trek. Like, three? <laughs> three in two years is enough. It, you know, with Control, the futuristic thing that came back at the end of Picard, and now you know, the last episode of Discovery before this one, I'm like, come on, why why do we keep writing in robotic tentacles? I don't get it. I think it's connected. No, really? Well, if you think about it, the AI came from the future. And also Picard, that came from another galaxy um, or area where these advanced AIs are, are coming from. Okay. So at some point... I think these are connected. And if Osiris has already got some of that technology that they're using, and especially with the state of AIs in discovery in their current era, mm -hmm. that it's that technology and the AIs that use that technology later on. Oh, God. Okay. As I, I said, we'll all these things, they all end up connecting together. They do. And they the do. writers have been so good with connecting these things. So mm -hmm. you may say that you don't want to see it, but I think it's all part of a much bigger thing that goes on. So I think we will see more of it because I think that is connected. Interesting. Okay. If this is all part of a big plan, then, I'll, then I'd probably be okay with it. <laughs> all right. We've got one more thought, a final thought from Jay Deuce. This is a little lengthy, but I really liked it. 
Jay says, this is the final log entry I am recording for the dreadful year of hell known as 2020. By the time the transmission has left my home and reached the Nexus, it will already be the year 2021. I hope it was a successful transition for my fellow shipmates. I like that you brought up year of hell earlier, Steve, and so did Jay. I noticed just in the opening... Prior to the credits, the show was already six and a half minutes into the show, and I had a feeling that Captain Riker himself was behind the con, just from the pacing of the show, a welcome sight to end the year on. I love the representation of people. I immediately thought of the woman from Deep Space Nine who was required a wheelchair, Dr. Melora Paslar. OMG, did anyone else catch when Stamets said, calling Adira his child? A few weeks ago on Open Channel, Stamets and Culber were referred to as Adira's two gay dads. As someone who looks up to this family, I can honestly say I wish I had a family that supported me like the two of them do for Adira and even Grey. Yeah, Jay, I know what that feels like. And it's, it's again, having that chosen family that, that sometimes, sometimes our chosen family supports us more than our, than our biological family or our given family. Jay goes on. I have not hidden it from my podcast audience over on Sci-Fi Haven that the last few weeks have been extremely depressing basically since the start of December, and, well, I don't know why. Maybe it's my own low mental health and self-esteem issues, but when Michael created the message for her mother, it triggered me as almost like a letter someone would write before a suicide event. If anyone knows Mr. Will Wynn, who is well known for saying how socialist or even communist Star Trek is, I can already see the feedback that he will say when he says that Starfleet and Deep Space 253 is very capitalist. I wonder, since Mr. Wynn is quite famous in Star Trek groups on Facebook, if this was a shot across his bow, as the saying goes. So, just to back up and pause before I get to, to Jay's last few sentences, regarding the, the self-esteem, mental health issues, and triggering, it, triggering thoughts about before a suicide event, I think... Uh, that's that's a very interesting connection to make for something like this and i do approach topics like this very very seriously and i want to remind everyone that um there are many different ways to reach out if you're having feelings like this and jay of course you know that we love you at open channel as does the star trek community so i'm i appreciate your willingness to open up about how that made you feel and um, I do not know who Will Wynn is. Do you, Steve? No, it's not a name that sort of I recognise. But given everything that I've been doing over the last couple of years, um, most of my social media presence has been setting things up rather than actually reading posts. Um, yeah. Sort of, I don't even read my own feeds because I don't get time because I'm so busy going through all the alerts from all the facebook groups channels and mm -hmm. <laughs> everything else <laughs> i have to maintain well if anyone wants to research will win it's the vietnamese name n-g-u-y-e-n check it out i i will go look that up jay finishes up by saying as someone who lost nearly everyone in the last few months since i came out to my best friend ren on the 16th of october and then to my dear friend chris on the 9th of november that's me and then publicly on the 16th November to the rest of the world with the episode Black Girl Magic is Real. That's an open channel episode. When I watched Stamets cry when he said his whole family is back in the nebula, I can honestly say that I know how that feels, as blood is not the only way to determine family. 
Stamets has Adira and Culber, and, well, I have my friends Ren and Chris, and I have my partner Allie, so I feel his pain, and I'm here for anyone who wants to talk. I try to keep an open channel for anyone myself, which is why I leave messages as a personal log for the world to see and to reach out as well. Computer, end log, and transmit to Nexus High Command. Well, thank you, Jay, for your willingness to connect and help people. I think that that's wonderful. I think that that's wonderful having been through a difficult coming out process in many ways. And so I really appreciate your thoughtful writing and your comments. And of course, it was great to have you on the show. So uh, thanks again, Jay, for that. With um, what Jay was saying with regards to Burnham's message to her mum. Mm-hmm. as a suicide note it goes back to what i was saying about how people can watch something and look at it in completely different ways for me i saw it as a coded message essentially saying we are a lost cause we need your help mm-hmm. um whereas of course for jay it's come through as completely different and again relates to them much differently than it has with myself and others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry that um, you are suffering from low esteem. And going back to what I said when we were talking about Holosuite Media and getting all these shows out, um, hopefully um, shows like this and others will help keep you connected to the real world during these difficult times where a lot of us are feeling down have problems connecting with so many other people and the fact that you've been coming out as well in the recent months which is of course a massive thing for anyone who does that yeah people are here for you if you ever need it um whether it's people that you've met online um or as part of the nexus um or the podcast or even if it's reaching out to authorities there are groups like in the uk there's samaritans and um i'm sure there's plenty of other groups which chris will talk about for america oh yeah where you can talk if you feel you need help but there's always someone that's out there that you can talk to no one is ever alone truly i know it can feel like that at times and definitely there have been plenty of low points in my life as well and yeah there's always someone there for you you just need to take that step to reach out it's not always clear to others that you're going through a hard time people are very good at covering up how they feel mm-hmm. and sometimes even when you are very often it's like you talk to someone you go you all right it's like yeah i'm all right sometimes it just needs someone to say <laughs> are you really all right right but a lot of times so many people are so busy dealing with their own stuff and all the things that are going on to them that it doesn't always occur to them to reinforce the questions to actually say no truly are you okay do you need help so sometimes it does just need you to say i'm having a crap time can i talk to you because you'll find that there are people that will say yes you've got my full attention yeah and you can then talk to them it's like the the culber and detmer moment when 
he asked her if she's okay and she's like no and uh, you know it's okay it's okay not to be okay and it's it, it there's power in admitting and there is strength in admitting that you're not okay yeah because that's the only way we can start moving toward being more okay is by saying i'm not okay and i know what that's like you know i've i'm good at hiding that stuff too and i will say jay and other listeners that having this type of show and this type of community really helps me to be more okay because even though we're not directly communicating I still get to read your words and absorb them into my being and then communicate with you that way, which is a lot of fun. And it it's uh, it's 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 a gift to have so many people want to contribute and join that conversation. But also remember that even if you feel that it's not the right time for you to talk to someone, it doesn't mean that that's always going to be the case. So maybe today and tomorrow you can't talk to someone, even if it's a complete stranger in a support call for, say, Samaritans. But maybe the day after might be the right time for you. Yeah. So just remember, someone is always there. Yeah. And I think that what we're all going through right now and what we have been going through this year, but the last several years, is a collective trauma. And everyone in my opinion, whether they realize it or admit it or not, is experiencing that in their own personal way as well. No matter what type of political spectrum you're on or anything else, I feel like everyone is experiencing it on some level at varying degrees of awareness. And it's a good time to be a little bit gentler with ourselves and let let each other know and tell ourselves first that you know, just, just be, show some compassion to yourself, you know, yes, show compassion to each other, but start with yourself first, you know, and, and just know that it's okay, that you're valued. You don't have to have everything figured out. I don't have to be wonderful and on point all of the time, you know, let's, let's be gentle on ourselves, I think. Anyway, so that that was a very heartfelt message. Thank you again, Jay, always with the good comments. And thank you, everybody else, for your comments on this episode that is hanging in limbo. Uh, Steve, what'd you think of everybody's comments? Um, yeah, it's been enjoyable going through. Um, as with most of these things, everyone's got a different take on it. And it's always interesting to see and hear what other people think, usually sort of before sort of my own health issues um i've done my troubles and ecstasy podcast so we generally went through all the week's news so it's always good to sort of talk to trekkies out there um and to get other people's perspective on what was coming out now for the most part back then the only star trek releases we were getting was on star trek online um so it's about their stories and their content and what was coming out in those um, but now we've got so much Trek coming out. And even though with all the podcasts that are on Holosuite Media, I still get very little time to talk to fellow Trekkies about what's going on. But I enjoy it so much. And yeah, going through hearing all these comments, um, it's always good. And we've sort of mentioned a couple of times, it's just like, hadn't thought of that. Or um, yeah, mm-hmm. um, absolutely agree with that. It's like, oh, no, definitely don't think that's right. <laughs> but then 
as with most things, there's never really any wrong or right answer. And of course, what the writers and the directors may have intended to come across may be completely different to what everybody else actually sees in the TV episode as well. Right. Um, but that's the great thing about the TV that we now view, um, whether it's Star Trek or not, is everybody comes away with a different meaning to it and with their own experiences it can mean different things to different people and it's great hearing what everyone else has to say yeah and you you have had some time to leave a couple comments on the open channel thread so you your comments have been read once or twice and um i'm just so glad that you were able to join me today on the show so thank you again for being here my pleasure and why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you on socials? Um, on Twitter and other social media platforms, you can find me at Midnight Shadow 7. That's Midnight spelt M-I-D-N-I-T-E and the number 7. All right. And uh, thanks again, Steve. Not a problem. You can join the Open Channel conversation on Twitter and Facebook by following us at Open Channel Trek and by joining our listeners group on Facebook by typing the Nexus into the search field. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CD Littlefield. Keep an eye out for my Open Channel conversation threads on Facebook and Twitter, which I will post every Thursday right before each new Star Trek episode drops. Thanks for listening to Open Channel. Channel Open, standing by. This show is brought to you by Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Sweet Media programs. Loading Sweet Preview Program for The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. I did kind of like the idea that he had the armory to work in. That was like his main, mm-hmm. his main workspace, I guess. I found that quite different and that excited me. I think they kind of moved away from that a little bit as the show went on. Yeah, as we went on. It definitely appeared more in the first season i think and maybe the second then it did the later ones did you ever become attached to malcolm as a character i wouldn't necessarily say attached but i always i enjoyed mo- most of the the times that he was on screen and interacting with the rest of the crew for me i was i was more attached to trip so yeah yeah i guess i guess it makes sense that you and i are doing a podcast together <laughs> yeah. loading hollow sweet preview program for there are four questions a star trek spotlight podcast that felt pretty cool and that's when I, I really really started connecting with star trek when i was actually here and on on the level of creator as opposed to fan so that was where i started getting it was like hey i could do this i remember writing <laughs> i sent this letter to him i wrote to um eric stillwell before i moved to, to los angeles and asked about the the rules for submitting the script and all that stuff and then i had this idea never heard back from him Loading Sweet preview program for Ladies Trek Library, women with a passion for Star Trek books. One of the reasons I was excited to read this book was because it's called Uhura's Song. And we don't get a lot of books where Uhura is a main character. Um, and she was my favorite character from the original series. So I was excited to see a book about her. And I, and I like how, and I was thinking about the, uh, the Broadway play Cats, because they kind of used cat names that that reminded me of the names in this book so and and this book was written in 85 so it could have been inspired by cats in that way computer deactivate hollow suite